Hi, my name is Ian and I'm part of the New Peninsula team. And we're so happy that you've joined with us for our online service today. We are one church together wherever we are. So whatever's going on in your life today, we pray that you'll be able to engage with the worship and the message today, being encouraged and also growing in our relationship with God. As a church, one of the things we really love is community. And there's lots of ways to connect into community by being part of a, a life group or serving in ministry or becoming a member. Uh, if you're new and you want to connect in, send an email to connect at newpeninsula.com.au and someone will give you a call. And we're going to work out and to work, walk alongside you and see how we can connect you in. Okay, now let's, let's prepare our hearts for worship as we, as we pursue God together. Lord, we, we come together before you today as, as a family, wherever we are, to thank you because, because you are good. We thank you that you, the God of heaven, would, would, would want to meet with your people. You are a God who is unequaled and, and unrivaled in power and love. And yet you want to meet with us. And so we, we thank you for your presence. That right now, wherever we are, you are present and you are with us. And we just want to say thank you. You don't let us walk on our own. So help us just today to just to be aware of your presence. Father, we ask that you make yourself known to us today and every day. Father, we, we pray right now, our, our world is hurting and this is not unknown to you. And so we lift it up to you today and we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on your, on your earth, Father. And God, you are a God who cares. And just now we want to lift up those who may be hurting today, those that may be hurting or lonely, would you comfort them? For those who are single and might feel neglected, would you comfort them? For those who are elderly and alone, would you comfort them? Father, for the widows who are grieving, comfort them. Father, comfort those who feel isolated. Wrap your arms around them, Lord, and give them your, your comfort and peace today. At the same time, Father, you've said to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so we celebrate that when we can join together, there's going to be a number of baptisms and, and some dedications in the coming weeks. And so we're excited about these people who are making steps uh, closer to you, drawing closer to you, God. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, we just ask a blessing on our church and, and, and particularly on Paul today in the message that he would shine a spotlight on you, on who you are and what you are doing. So now God, prepare our hearts to receive this word. May it change us, may it shape us, may it refine us, may it make us different. Make us less and more of you. And do all this for the sake of Jesus, we ask. Amen. 
The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this, chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Not long after I just got my license, I pulled up at the lights and I noticed next to me this car pulled up also. Now, my first car was a 1989 Toyota Camry. Uh, not the most amazing car by any imagine, but it had a two litre engine, fuel injected, and it could go okay. And the car next to me at the lights was a Datsun 120Y. Does anyone remember the Datsun 120Y? Maybe you actually had one if you're of a similar era to me. Now, the Datsun 120Y was a car with a 1200cc engine. It had the ability to go from zero to 100 kilometres an hour in just over 17 seconds. Now, to put that into some context, the latest Tesla car can do it in 1.1 seconds. The Datsun 120Y uh, was a car that was, I guess you could say, reasonably reliable, though not always. They didn't have the greatest of reputations, uh, but it certainly didn't get you anywhere fast. And so when I pulled up at the lights in my uh, fairly new Toyota Camry and I looked across and I saw the Datsun 120Y, I thought, I've got this guy for sure. I'm going to take him when the lights go green. And sure enough, enough, not long after that, the lights went green and I put the foot down and off I went. I was in the drag races, the things you do when you're 18. Of course, we wouldn't do them these days, would we? But to my great surprise and horror, the Datsun 120Y just flew off and absolutely thrashed my Camry. 
And within a matter of seconds, it was hundreds of metres further down the road. Now, I totally underestimated the fact that this Datsun 120Y didn't actually have that 1200cc engine in it anymore. It had been modified. In fact, I'm almost certain it had been taken out and replaced with something uh, much more powerful and much quicker. And so all of a sudden, it really wasn't a Datsun 120Y anymore, was it? The outward appearance was deceiving. Today, we start our series in David. Now, David, we're calling this series Fearless, Flawed and Faithful. And as we really have a close look at David's life, I guess that those three words really capture what it was that his life was about. First of all, in the early days when David comes onto the scene, we see that he was completely fearless. And David taking on Goliath is one such example. Uh, We're going to explore that in the weeks ahead. But we can also see that he was incredibly flawed. And as he became king and been king for some time, a bit of hubris crept in and he had a great fall. His flaws became evident, especially with his sin against Bathsheba. But we also see that he was faithful. And as his life draws near an end, we see that there's been great tragedy and trauma within his family life. Again and again, there's this dysfunction and fracturing that happens. And yet David remains faithful to God right to the very end of his life. So today we're week one in the series and we're in that passage that Bron read out just a little, a little bit earlier. And it's the story when David first comes on the scene. And he's arriving on the scene up until this point in time in 1 Samuel. The focus of 1 Samuel has been very much on the prophet of Samuel. But in this chapter, in chapter 16, we see a transition. The focus shifts from Samuel now and goes to David, the future king. And this is a pivotal moment in the book of Samuel that we're in here, where Samuel anoints David as the future king. And we have this really uh, interesting story where Samuel is told by God to go and speak to Jesse and that he was to anoint one of Jesse's sons. And Jesse, first of all, brings out his eldest son, Eliab, a fine and impressive looking young man. And Samuel thought to himself, surely this man is it. But God said no. And then there's the procession of Jesse's other sons and they all look great. But God kept saying no. And eventually Samuel said, is there any other son you have? And they Jesse said, yeah, there's David, but he's the youngest and he's out tending the sheep. This is an extraordinary passage for a number of reasons. And I think what it says to us and what I want to highlight today is this idea that we find in verse 7 of this passage. That man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And what I want to do uh, in the time that we have together today is explore the implications of this reality. And the first implication that we can see is that God's vision is actually better than ours. God's vision is better than ours. See, Samuel was coming along and he he was looking at what he saw in front of them in Elab and and in the other sons of Jesse. And he thought, surely these are the ones. They look great. They're they're fine, uh, strong and and upright men. They look like they've, they've, they've got what it takes. And yet God said no. You see, God was looking at something far greater than just physical appearance. He was looking at something far greater than charisma or personality. He was looking at the heart. He was looking at the character of the heart. In Isaiah chapter 55, it says these words. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I remember a time going back just over 20 years ago now, and I was just starting to put my toes in the water of this, this ministry calling, this, this vocational calling that I guess I have, which I've, I've pursued for most of my adult life now. And as I was putting the toes in the water, I made a deal with God. And I guess I want to suggest that making deals with God is not the greatest idea, as this story illustrates. And the deal that I made with God is that, God, I'm happy to go anywhere. I'm happy to serve you in any way. But the one thing I'm not going to do is formal study at a Bible college. Now, the reason I said this is because when I left school at 18, I went off and studied for a Bachelor of Economics and I did a year of economics and just, just disliked it immensely and, and then dropped out of that and went and pursued some other career alternatives and options. But my taste of university and, and theological, not theological, but that further university study up until that point had not been a positive one. In fact, I didn't think I was actually cut out to study at that level. And so I just said to God, look, I don't need that. I'm not prepared to do that. So um, I'll do anything but. Now, now, sure enough, six months down the track, something had switched. And as I started to study God's word, I, I realized there's so much more that I need to learn. And, and God started to soften my heart towards this reality of even going and studying at theological college. And so off I went, completely full of nerves and uncertain that I was even going to get beyond the first week, let alone the first six months or even complete the course. But within weeks of starting, I realized I'd found something I loved. I found something, I just discovered something that allowed me to go much deeper in my faith and it really nurtured my own faith. I had such a positive experience at Bible college. Now fast forward 20 years and here I am having spent the best part of the last 20 years studying at Bible college and having not completed one, two, but actually three different courses at Bible college and starting to contemplate the next one even. I, I just can't get enough. I love understanding and learning more about God. We don't need to make deals with God. We need to just understand that God's vision is actually different to ours and that he sees beyond just what we see. He sees possibilities that we don't see. He sees potential even in us that we don't see. You see, God's vision is better than ours. God also chooses the unlikely. God chooses the unlikely. And we see this, this classic story here of Samuel looking to anoint the next king and working through all of David's sons. And we get to David. Now, what's extraordinary about this picture is that David's actually the youngest son here. And this is in a society where the youngest son certainly weren't promoted or considered better in any way than the eldest son. And so it was always the eldest son that inherited property or inherited title or or, or got to that next level or achieved that next thing. It was always seen as that was the role of the eldest son. He had to have the most prominence. But God through Samuel here turns it completely on his head and he's not choosing Eliab or any of the other sons. He's actually choosing David, the youngest son, the, the, the smaller guy, the guy that's just out tending the sheep, doing one of the more lowly jobs that could be given in that time. And here he is choosing David. See, God chooses the unlikely. But this is something that we see all through scripture. Just take note of the following examples. Abraham was too old. 
Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremy and Timothy were considered too young. Jeremiah and Timothy were considered too young. Elijah and Jeremiah were depressed. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep when they were meant to be praying for Jesus. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, we think. And Lazarus, well, when Jesus came across him once, he was dead. And yet God chose to do something extraordinary in and through each of these individuals. And it's God's modus operandi, if you like, and we can take great heart from this. God chooses the unlikely to do extraordinary things through him. And so often we'll come to God and we'll somehow think that maybe we're not worthy. Maybe he wouldn't use us. Maybe we don't know enough. Maybe we're not gifted enough. Maybe we don't have the right personality mix. Maybe we don't have the right look or whatever it is. And and that's not what God looks at. God looks for a willing heart that desires just to serve and live for him. And he chooses the unlikely. Finally, God puts character before appearance. God puts character before appearance. See, God looks at the heart of men and women first. Corrie Ten Boon has an amazing story. She grew up in Holland, and when the Nazis came in into Holland in World War II, many of her fellow countrymen and women sided with the Nazis, but Corrie Ten Boon saw some evil, and she decided that she, along with her family, needed to be a place of refuge for the Jews. It's an incredibly risky thing to do. And as a result of that, her family were taken away. They were put into concentration camps. Her father died within days of being put into a concentration camp. And Corrie Ten Boon and her sister, both in their 40s and and late 40s, there and survived through months of living in a concentration camp. They saw some great atrocities that were committed. In fact, in the camp that they were in, in the time that they were in there, over 700 people were executed. And yet Corrie Ten Boon demonstrates in her life since World War II, up until her death in the late 60s, this incredible forgiveness and incredible demonstration of God's love. You see, after World War II, She not only continued to provide refuge for the Jews, she provided refuge for all people, whatever side of the war that we're on. And out of that ministry, she was then invited to different speaking engagements and she spoke it in 60 different countries all over the world, sharing this message of God's love, of God's grace and of the need for forgiveness. Corrie Ten Boon writes that in the concentration camp, She prayed this prayer. Lord Jesus, I offer myself for your people in any way, in any place, and in any time. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. God looks at the appearance of the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance of the person. 
And so there's a great challenge for us here today to be willing to serve God anywhere, any place, any time, but also to ensure that our hearts are right before him. This anointing of David by Samuel reminds me of an anointing at another time. We find it in the Gospels where Mary of Bethany anointed Jesus' feet with a really expensive bottle of perfume. And people criticised this because it was almost a year's wages, this this bottle of perfume. And she anoints Jesus. And as people were criticising her for this extravagant act, Jesus actually said to them and rebuked them and said, no, you don't understand. She's anointing me here for a purpose. This was actually a burial anointing. And this anointing reminds us of what Jesus actually has done for us on the cross. When he stretched out his arms for us, when he paid a great price for us, he did so in order that we may know what love is and that we may serve him and love others as he has loved us. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Thank you for joining with us today. If the message today has prompted you to to maybe take that next step in relationship with Jesus, we'd love to hear from you and walk beside you in that. Uh, Connect with us with connect at newpeninsula.com.au and someone would love to be in touch with you today. I pray that you have a great and blessed week and we look forward to hopefully seeing you in person real soon.